you know what? There's always snow on the ground when Dan and I get together for this, but uh, <laughs> lots happened, uh, Dan, since the last time we had that global pandemic, all those things, presidential. Like, you can go on and on I and know. on. It, it's amazing pulling into the parking lot here at the station thinking the last time I was here was February of 2020. And oh, were things different yeah. more than 10 months ago. But uh, it's, it's exciting, Pat, to get started. Uh, you know, it always means the season's not that far away. And the indicators, I think, so far are good that we will start spring training on time. I think that's at least how, how things appear to be trending right now. And that's, that's a very good sign. I think it's still uncertain, but uh, it's looking like uh, we're going to head that way. And I, that gets me excited for, for what's ahead in 2021. Yeah, and uh, to answer those questions, some others, uh, we'd be joined coming up at uh, 7.15 by Tigers general manager, Al Avila. And uh, we got Al for two segments today. He agreed to do that, which we appreciate very much, and I'm Absolutely. sure you all do, uh, because we got a lot of questions to ask. And uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, big trade today. Uh, Francisco Linder's now met. Uh, so's Carrasco. How about that? You know, and... Uh, uh, it just shows you what the market's going to be like this year. I, I didn't think the Mets got much back, or the uh, in, uh, in, Cleveland Indians got much back in return uh, for uh, Lindor and Carrasco. My gosh, that might put the Mets over the top as good as the Braves are uh, in the uh, National League East. And, but I, I have to tell you this, uh, you know, it just shows you that uh, the market's a little bit uh, uh, different. Now, the Tigers have been active, Dan. You know, Robbie Grossman, uh, Urena, a uh, pretty good pitcher from uh, the Marlins. He's had good moments. Uh, doing what uh, Al Avila's done uh, in recent years, uh, trying to find some guys yeah. uh, that can help the team now uh, without uh, you know breaking the bank or doing something that's uh, unusually weird. Last year it worked out pretty well, I thought, for him. It really did. C.J. Crone was going to really be a big part of that lineup until that, it, let's face it, a very fluke knee injury mm-hmm. ended his season way too early. And Jonathan Scope uh, changed the look of that lineup when his bat was in it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought both were good signings Ro- last Ro- week. Romine. Romine played a, a significant role. Hey, Austin Romine, they loved, pitchers loved throwing to this guy. I know, right. you know, he finished, it was tough at the plate, let's face it, for about the last month, but started off strong and, you know, it, it, on a part-time basis, maybe in a reserve role, would you be opposed to no. bringing him back? Not at all. Not at all, because he showed with the Yankees the last two years he was there that, you know, in a reserve role, 240, 250 plate appearances. Correct. He's going to provide something with the bat and, mm-hmm. you know, probably not an everyday guy. Maybe that's what they figured out last year, and that way you could maybe mix in Jake Rogers. But, yeah, I thought the signings were pretty good. The two-year deal for Robbie Grossman I think is significant. First time, as many have pointed out, they've signed somebody to a two-year deal since, well, five years ago, the 2015-2016 offseason. Uh, it, it's interesting. You and I have been talking about the, the signing the last couple of days. I was underwhelmed at first. Um, because of, you know, the track record, a solid, you know, he's, he's a solid hitter. He's going to draw some walks. Goodness knows they need that uh, in this lineup, a guy who has some plate discipline. But I didn't see the power that I wanted to see. What? This year he showed power. Right. And I think for fans, one of the best things to do, don't look at slugging percentage for power numbers. Look at isolated power. You may not be familiar with it, but really it is the best single way to look at somebody's power numbers and understand where they are in the power department relative to other power hitters. 480 slugging percentage doesn't tell you a lot. 240 isolated power does tell you a lot. 
that's way above his career. So that's why I'm, I'm a little bit leery. But the more you look at it, and several have done really good analysis of where this guy is, he made changes. And he, he talked about this in his Zoom call the other day. He made changes to his swing that resulted in more power. That's what the changes were designed to do. That's what they did. So perhaps, even in his early 30s, this is possible, Perhaps in his early 30s, he has changed from being a guy who had really very modest power for a corner outfielder below average power to a guy who might be able to hit with power. Now, it's mostly from the left side. He is not a force from the right side the last two years. But that makes this an intriguing signing. And the Urania signing, Pat, I think this is a perfect example of what the Houston Astros used to do down in Houston. Take a guy with a power arm who's a ground ball guy, and he's a ground ball pitcher, sinker slider 90% of the time, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. What do they used to do with those guys? Bring them to Houston, tell them to throw their four-seam fastball up in the strike zone a lot more and get swings and misses because Urania, low-walk, low-strikeout guy, those guys don't really appeal to me that much. This is a game of swing and miss now, but he's got the arm clearly, and I would think that's what they're going to try to do with Jose Urania. You've got to get the strikeouts up. He's got a 95-mile-an-hour average fastball. He doesn't throw his four-seam fastball much. That, to me, is the perfect signing. And what the Tigers will do with him, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So that, to me, is these are kind of analytic signings. In other words, you have to have certain tools. And perhaps in Robbie Grossman, they also recognized this is a guy who has made a swing change to get more power, and it worked. And we're going to take advantage of that and snap him up and target him right away and snap him up. You know, my view on uh, Grossman, I've had a lot of people ask me, what is he like? And I would say kind of a poor man's Nick Swisher, you know? Not bad. Uh, he gets a lot of walks. Uh, if you read the book Moneyball, it might have been a while back, but the actual book, not seeing the movie and the, you know, the Dave Dombrowski pop machine thing, uh, <laughs> you know, the actual book, there was a player, I think his name was Brant Brown. Yeah. Uh, his last name was Brown, I know for sure. The catcher. The, the catcher, right? And they just obsessed on this for a lot of the book. A uh, high walk. You know, uh, not a guy with, uh, you know, the type of body you're going to go out there and look and say, oh, my gosh. This guy reminds me of uh, Hayward or somebody, you know, some of these great athletes that play or high metric guys, especially for the way they field in that game. Um, But uh, he gets on base, and he is a switch hitter. He did play for the A's. Uh, A.J. Hinch is familiar with him. So there is uh, some advantages uh, to it. He is on an upward track. Now, you say early 30s, he's 30. You know, in my opinion, now it's just, you know, I've talked to scouts about this. You know, it's, it depends on how you frame it, but 27 to 32, you know, 26 to 33. You can go into all those numbers, but the prime of a prime of a player, in my opinion, is 28 to 30. Mm-hmm. And if you go through and you, you waste a lot of time like me looking up stuff like this, it's amazing <laughs> what players do at 28 to 30 that are regular type of guys sure. or semi. That's usually where their sweet spot is. Absolutely. And he's kind of right there, and sometimes there's a little bit of a late bloomer. Maybe he learned some things about how to lift the ball, things like that. Right. Take advantage of his patience, and then when there is a mistake there, he's able to drive it out of the ballpark. Uh, Comerica Park's pretty good. Homer Park for somebody swinging from the left side, uh, if they do have a pull tool there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Irina... 
uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Urania. That's your, Urania. That's your Urania. Uh, specialty, Dan. Uh, <laughs> me, I butcher the names, but I usually spell them right. It, you know, is uh, kind of how it works. But he, uh, in 95.4 uh, fastball, he's maintained that fastball for several Very years. Very steady. 29. The issue I have with this and, and what you're talking about and what the, the trick is, he's a slider guy. Mm-hmm. His spin rate on his slider is exceptional. On his four-seam fastball, it's not. All right? So even though he throws a bit harder than the major league average, actually considerably more for a starter, uh, the spin rate doesn't necessarily carry it through the zone. And uh, that's where there's a bit of concern. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it and saying – well, you just have him pitch up. He throws hard. His spin rate does. It's not like when they got Verlander and told him to do the same thing, you know? Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But a couple of years ago, he was really good. All right. Uh, very steady. And, you know, he's pitching on a, a team that wasn't very good, but he, he, he did pretty well under the circumstances. So, and again, he's 29. He's in his prime of his prime. You've got him for a year. You got a younger staff. Uh, to me, he's a better signing than Nova was for him. Absolutely. And uh, so for me, I kind of like that because there's an upside on it. And again, uh, the Tigers, their analytics department, uh, things like that, they're making judgments. Uh, they have scouts and they're looking at it. And, you know, we'll ask Alabila about He's coming up at 7.15, the Tigers' general manager. But I kind of, you know, I didn't, I'm not sitting there telling you that these are great signings and they're going to put the Tigers over the top. It's like they got Lindor like the Mets. Uh, no, but I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's start starting that. And I think they've gotten a better feel for it. A couple of years ago, they really missed on it. Last year, injuries kind of took away some of the effectiveness that their signings had. But I, I feel like the organization with spending that fifteen to twenty million that they're doing to present a presentable major league team and not have it just be a bunch of kids uh, is, you know, they've gotten a better feel for it as time's gone on. I, Absolutely, I, I, I tend to to look at it that way. I agree with you. So, no, and one of the things you mentioned, uh, Moneyball, one of the other great books of recent years, MVP Machine, mm-hmm. talking about the use of analytics, technology, changes in approaches, have worked for hitters. And one of the things that Lindor and Ramirez uh, in Cleveland both did was made a concerted effort when their power numbers jumped at attacking balls inner half of the plate right. to pull, to mm-hmm. pull with power. That was their focus, and all you have to do is go back and look at their histories, look at their isolated power, heck, look at their slugging percentage, and you will see that the the power rise followed very quickly. So that's the kind of thing that you do um, to, you know, I mean, one thing you can do, certainly, and that's what Robbie Grossman apparently, in his own words, said that, you know, he got a lot of help doing it and in Oakland, and he made sure that, you know, he worked very hard at it. This guy wants to get better all the time. Hey, if A.J. Hinch wants you... (laughs) And your numbers are just kind of ordinary. It makes you think, okay, what is AJ Hinch like about this guy? Why? Right. And AJ Hinch really wanted Robbie Grossman. They targeted him and went after him. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to Al Avila about all this stuff: uh, prospects, Spencer Torkelson, Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning. We'll talk. Oh, to there him. are a few topics to talk about, aren't there? A, a lot, and <laughs> uh, we'll talk to the Tigers' general manager, Al Avila, coming up next. You're listening to Tiger Talk here on 97.1 The Ticket.
Ah, yes, we are joined now by Tigers General Manager Al Avila. What's up, Al? Hope you're having a a good year, new year, and all that stuff. Had a good holiday, and uh, gosh, man, let's get some baseball going again. Yeah, no, uh, it's good to turn the year over and get into the new year and uh, getting closer to spring training. Spring training not that far off. Al, how are you? It's Dan. Hey, Dan, good to see you. Or good to hear from you. So the broad picture, uh, give us a a feel for how this offseason has gone. There are so many uncertainties heading into the offseason, and I think everybody expected the market to be a little bit slow. You targeted a couple of guys. You got Jose Urena before the new year, just signed Robbie Grossman to a two-year deal. Tell Tiger fans how this season has gone about as expected through your eyes, or has it been a little bit different? Well, we, you know, I think everybody thought it was going to be slow. Um, I think it's been slower than most people anticipated. Um, that doesn't mean that there hasn't been uh, a lot of uh, phone calls back and forth between agents and, and general managers and, um, and and things of that nature. Um, I, I just think it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, the, some of the good clubs are, uh, you know, are are at the point where, uh, you know, they are where they're at, and there's some that are making adjustments to their payroll, and uh, and there's some that are rebuilding, and so uh, you know, it's a little bit of everything right now. I know that uh, shortly after he was hired, uh, AJ Hinge made the comment that, uh, you know, basically. You've had conversations. He'd had conversations with you, and this roster was going to look different going into spring training. Would that suggest that you probably still would like to make some more moves? And what would those needs be that you would still like to address, perhaps, on the free agent market? Yeah, you know, obviously, um, you, know, you you try to address whatever weaknesses you have, uh, and every year is different. And and we went into this year obviously coming out of. Uh, just playing 58 games with no fans. So, you know, that kind of uh, takes effect on, on your plans and, and what you can and may not be able to do or what you say what you want to do and what you, you know, what you can do are mm-hmm. two different things. So, uh, and I think every, every organization has faced the same kind of challenge. Um, but in saying that, obviously, you know, we, we felt there was going to be plenty of pitching out there in the free agent market. I, I think, uh, before when the winter started, I think, and, and you know, and this is just what we ranked of pitchers that we liked. I think there were like 52 guys that we had ranked pretty decently hmm. uh, that were free agents, and I think there's like like 40 of them out there right now left. But there's a lot more pitching than that, obviously, in the free agent market. So you know, we felt well, we're, you know, we should be able to get one of these guys. But early on, I, I will tell you that you know. When uh, Atlanta jumped out there and even Kansas City, uh, I think yeah. that took some teams by surprise in that, you know, the kind of salaries and contracts that they got. So um, that kind of that kind of put a freeze on things for a while. Um, and I think, uh, you know, made it a little bit tougher. But uh, with Orania, we had some history there. Um, our analyst uh, thought, you know, we could do some things to straighten them out with our new pitching coach, Chris Fetter. And, our scouts, uh, you know, Mike Russell and Bruce Tanner have followed Miami for a long time, so they had, uh, you know, they had a, a good history there. So um, we, you know, we were able to make a, a, a what we, you know, we felt a, a good deal 
for a one-year uh, situation there that uh, with him, and obviously he still has a really good arm, throws very hard. Um, he's just one of those guys where um, we, we've just got to make sure maybe we can get him a third pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. At the same time, obviously the you know more more try to get more command uh, certain pitches, but just change a little bit of his of his style. And I think uh, there's some subtle improvements there that Chris Fetter you know, didn't really want to share it publicly, but I, I think he's, he's got a, a feeling of how, of how to go about it. Um, so we felt fortunate, in, in, you know, in, in coming up with him. Uh, hopefully, um, we're able to maybe get another guy. Um, you know, we obviously, like I mentioned, we, we've talked to a lot of agents. David Chad's done a great job, really, uh, also in, in, in reaching out to a lot of these guys and, um, and so there's still a lot of work to do ahead, you know, uh, for the be, between now and spring training for sure. I just don't know how long this is going to go. You know, Al, uh, a lot of folks on uh, Tiger Talk, our initial debut for the uh, 2021 uh, uh, season, uh, talking to Al Vila, Tigers general manager, Pat Caputo, and the radio play-by-play voice of the Tigers, uh, Double D, Dan Dickerson. Al, Talking to fans coming on here after the game, they always want to know about the prospects, especially the guys that were taken in the draft. A lot of attention there. And it's very difficult to look with no minor leagues and find out exactly where your prospects are at. So I'm going to ask you about Torkelson. Mize last year, people saw him and they were like, oh my gosh. You know, they're, you know, they didn't come into the league like Justin Verlander and win the rookie of the year, so they're freaking out. Uh, Scoobal did well, sometimes, sometimes not. But where are they at, and can you explain this process? Because, you know, pitching to the Chicago White Sox is a lot different than pitching to the Binghampton Mets. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, well, you know, that, that's one of the things where if you go back to last year, um, and, and that's why we struggled, and, you know, with Casey Mize, uh, even though he, you know, in a very short spring training, uh, you know, he did well, uh, that we were hesitant to have him break camp with a major league club because we, we felt he still needed more time. Unfortunately, you know, he, the time that he got was in the uh, alternate training camp, but, um, you know, that was that was something where we felt uh, he, he needed more time. And so, um, and even Schoolboy, uh when we brought him up, could have used more time, but uh, by the time we brought him up, I think at that point um, it was a good it was good timing because number one we needed him we needed him because of the uh, injuries that we had at the major league level, but then there towards the end of the season, um, you know it was it was you know get your feet wet and, and get a good feel for what major league hitters are really like once they they start playing because spring training um, is not regular major league baseball uh yeah you got to take spring training whether if a player doesn't do well at spring training or or if he does really really well you got to take it with a grain of salt you know sometimes that's all you can go on but quite frankly you got to go on the history first uh you know before you make any decisions and so um they're at a point right now uh, you know, a casey mind in a, in a school bowl that they're very close to to you know to let's just, uh, start to establish themselves at the big league level We'll see this spring training how it goes, um, and because uh, you know right now I can't tell you, I can't guarantee you that both are going to make the club or, or or one of them, but uh, they'll have a chance. And 
they might need a little bit more time or they might not and uh, but but they're close and which is an exciting thing uh for us and then Matt Manning comes right behind him and um and I think Matt will probably start the Meyer leagues this year and then at some point we'll you know he'll be he'll be brought up to the big leagues and uh and start getting his feet wet so those three guys are 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 on their way they're getting close and, and we're we're excited about that um and obviously, you know. Um, what about Torkelson and Green? Uh, obviously, you didn't have a minor league year for those guys. Uh, they've spent a full year basically out, but there's no place to really go. Um, what are you planning to do with them as far as what level you would start those two at? Yeah, and that's a good question. Uh, again, these things are be determined uh, in spring training, uh, and they're in lays the uh, the, the, the situation where right now I'm not sure when Meyer league spring training is going to, is going to start, uh, whether, you know, whether we start Meyer league spring training, like we usually do, um, you know, we bring in the, you know, our top Meyer leaguers usually running line with, with our major league, uh, uh, players in major league spring training. We have a, a different, a separate camp and then the rest of Meyer leaguers come in in, in, in mid March. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Quite frankly, I, I, it, it might not. It might, it, it, they, they might have to start uh, uh, maybe a month behind us, which is right now uh, how it's looking. Because obviously, um, you know, a lot of ha- a lot has to do with the vaccine and, and when we can get that. Um, and, and right now, there's not even a minor league schedule made, but that's coming. There will be a minor league. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that, and um, we'll make a determination where to start those guys. If if you push me today, and you can't hold me to this, right? Uh, oh, but Pat just by will. my own past experience, um, you know, Torkelson will probably start his year in, in West Michigan, possibly. You know, West Michigan now, uh, uh, in the Midwest League is now the advanced day. It's not right. the low A. Right. Uh, so that was flip flop with the Florida State League. So um, um, that's that's one projection that we have. The uh, Riley Green will probably start a little bit ahead of him because he did have obviously already the year at, at West Michigan uh, as experience, so uh, he might he might be able to start in Erie um, this this coming season. But again, I, I don't want to be held to that. But you know, if you you know if you want to make some projections, uh, you know, but a lot of, a lot has to do with how we look at it then in spring training and 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 the intricacies of how and when. Meyer League baseball is going yeah. to commence and how we're going to be playing it. So, yeah, that's really intriguing because the reports have been that uh, last couple of days, Baseball America reporting that they double A and A ball have been told they're going to start basically when you guys leave, they'll come in to the camp just because there's just not enough room to do proper social distancing. So, yeah, let's go with that. You said that seems like the likely scenario. Now, what would that mean for guys that would get the you know, the invite over from minor league camp, like we saw with Riley Green getting, what, 17, 18 plate appearances this spring. Could they could they be part of that initial group that would be supposedly AAA in major league and then be sent down to the lowers uh, once? And that's a great, and that's a great question because Al, we've Al, been you know, it's, that. It's a yeah. great and, question. And uh, coming up well, we're next. We're going to have to hold it until after the break. Yeah, until after. We, <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got to talk. <laughs> You know, uh, so coming up next, I'll answer that question. It is a great question. And uh, we'll talk more to Tigers general manager, Al Vila, who's been uh, gracious enough to uh, stay with us for a second segment here tonight. 
on Tiger Talk, a 97-1, the ticket. Well, Dan had a question for Al, and uh, Al's going to answer that question now. Double D? About how if double A, A ball start a month later, basically when major leaguers leave spring training, what, how does that affect roster decisions for guys who might have gotten that invite from the minor league camp on a daily basis, like a Torkelson or a Green? Right. So th- this past season um, at the uh, alternate training camp, uh, as you notice, we, we had some young players there like Torkelson and Green. Um, 
We even brought in, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Dingler and, and uh, you know, you know, some young guys that were there that we, quite frankly, had no intention of bringing them up to the big leagues. Uh, and, and we were able to do that and mix enough of the, you know, other players that we were obviously needing to use to bring them up uh, in case of a uh, COVID virus breakout or right. injuries. And so, but here in spring training is going to be a little bit different. In spring training, we'll have, you know, the normal 40-man roster players uh, that belong there. Right. We'll have um, the 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 uh, the AAA guys because they will be able to be there also. The, the expectation is that the AAA season will start on time, uh, along with the major league club, um, and so those players will be there, um, which which are already in your organization um, of guys that are, are homegrown and guys that we yeah, you're signing to minor league free agent contracts that you're inviting to major league spring training. So you're going to have some of your players that are getting ready for the major league season. You're going to have some of your players there that are going to be getting ready for the triple A season. You're going to, you're going to have some guys trying to make the team. So you want to give at bats and innings pitched to your, to your hitters and pitchers that, you know, you need to get ready for the season. And you need to get enough at-bats and enough pitching innings to the players that are trying to make the club. And at the same time, you're trying to get the, the, the rest of the team, uh, the AAA guys, to, right. to get ready for their season. So it'll be, you know, it'll be uh, very similar to a normal spring training. Uh, probably, um, you know, a normal spring training will be anywhere between, you know, 60 and 65 players in camp. Right. This will probably be more because then you're going to have, you know, you want to have some extra guys. So um, when it's all said and done, we'll see how many guys we end up uh, having uh, to need. You know, you need, uh, you know, you know, anywhere. We usually bring anywhere between six and eight catchers. We do have two bullpen catchers. So so that does ease the burden on catching Um, uh, right now. We'll, it looks like we might have like around 34 pitchers in camp, um, give or take. Uh, so if, if there's a slot available for a young guy to come in, we might be able to do that. But right now it looks like those guys will be starting with their own group okay. um, when they come in. Right. One of the, the big issues that uh, you talked about in October after the season ended as you went into the offseason was trying to figure out how to regulate workloads in 2021 for guys who didn't log many innings or zero innings uh, in 2020. What are some of the things you kind of figured out? And I, I guess what I'm thinking along the lines of, does a veteran like a Matt Boyd who's been in that 180-inning range get to go back to that next year? Do the guys like Scoobal and Mize have been 110, 120, get a chance to go back to that level? Or are you thinking it's going to be much more on an individual basis and you're going to have to get creative? Well, it'll be on an individual basis, and we're going to have to be creative. Uh, to your point, and it's a very well, it's a good point, uh, a veteran guy like a Michael, like a, uh, like a Matt Boyd, you can go back to the previous season and go from there. Okay. Uh, and um, and even a Spencer Turnbull, sure. um, uh, you know the younger guys uh, like a Mize and, and a Schoolbull, depending on the situation, you're gonna again, you get case by case. You, you might have to be a bit more careful in the total amount of innings, and you know you're also evaluating the stress, uh, uh, the, the the type of stress 
of the outing too. Sure. So we've kicked around ideas of possibly having a six man rotation. We've kicked around obviously having uh, a starter uh, open the game um, and, and, and actually maybe doing a little bit of everything throughout the season, you know, go from a five man to a six man rotation and then and, and back depending on what, what is needed at the moment. Uh, okay. Obviously, you know, it's a, that's why it's important to always have pitching that uh, to have pitching that you have uh, pitchers that have options, so you can bring guys up when you need them, sit them back, and then get through the games that way. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be a case by case. It'll be situation by. It'll, so we'll be making adjustments and being creative, really, from day one all the way through the end of the season. Uh, and we and we're having a lot of uh, analytics uh, come up with some. Uh, Ideas with numbers. Um, we, we've got our player development people with their experience, you know, really keeping a close eye on. We'll, we'll be keeping a close eye on on them as well as our uh, science, science, scientific people and, and the stress that the, we're yeah. putting on their bodies. You know, Al, just looking at uh, it's not a deep analytics or a scientific thing here, as much as I love the analytics part of the game, but just simple math which even I can do, uh, I look at your third base situation and I see Isak uh, Paredes just won the Mexican League batting title and he's got pretty good hands, a shortstop by trade. Seems a little thick-bodied to be a middle infielder ultimately. I see uh, Jamer Candelero who is a very good defender at third base. Um, I see draft picks like Gage Workman and Colt Keith. Uh, and you also had Nick Quintana, who some people have forgotten about, was a second-round pick. Uh, in the 2019 draft, and yet Spencer Torkelson is still listed as a third baseman, and I don't see a lot of first basemen, and he played first base mostly at Arizona State. Now, uh, am, am I missing something here, or is he going to play first or third? Um, you, you lost me. Are you talking about Candelario? No, I'm talking about Spencer Torkelson, because you've oh, got horrible. like five third basemen who are <laughs> you know real good candidates and not a lot at first. You know, right. you know, right. Well, well, the idea here is that to, to develop guys that can play both. So, um, you know, not too different than, you know, if you guys remember Miguel Cabrera, uh, was signed as a shortstop, kind of outgrew that pretty quick, moved to third base, uh, and then came up to the, came up to the big leagues as a left fielder. Right. Uh, and then we moved him from third to first, first to third, and back to first, uh, on multiple occasions. So uh, the more versatile a player can be, the better. Uh, so, you know, to your point, I, 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 I understand where you're getting to. Uh, but if we can get uh, Torkelson to play an average third base, uh, and then all of a sudden down the road, we need him to play first, hey, that's, a, that's, not, that's not a bad thing. The bad thing would be is that if all of a sudden all he is is a first baseman and you needed a third baseman down the road, then, then you're stuck. So, that's the whole thing. That's why you know we're pretty happy the way that Candelario was able to move the first uh, on the fly, and he did a, did a decent job. And it looks like he could he, they could do the job there. So uh, knowing that he can play both, uh, knowing that Torkelson can play both, is really an, an advantage to the organization. And so uh, with Isaac Paredes, I think that uh, you know we know he can play third. Uh, the the body the body situation is more of a personal uh, uh, challenge for him. He knows that if he keeps his body intact, 
because he's actually a very strong uh, athletic guy. Right. But if he but he, if he keeps his body intact, he will be able to play second base as well as third. Um, you know, he, he 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 actually was signed as a shortstop, and it was a real good shortstop. Uh, but uh, obviously, it's hard to to have good range. You know, if you if if if, if you don't take care of your body and. And um, all all indications are that he has been, and so again, the, you know, we want guys to hit and, and 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 hit really good. And the more versatile you are, in more positions, then the the better for everybody. Is Willie Castro his defense? I know you've expressed concern to others in your organization about his defense when he was coming up, and he got to the major leagues. He hit like crazy. The, it was amazing watching him run. You know, uh, he when he opens it up, going from first to third, he he can fly. He's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So there's some athleticism there. That's in some struggles at short. So to make a long question yeah. short, is is he a potential <laughs> outfielder at some point? Or are you gonna, you know, how far are you gonna go with him at short? Yeah. Uh, well, he's gonna have an opportunity. Uh, I know that AJ wants to give him the opportunity. He's shown some flashes that he can do it. Like you said, he has the athleticism, he has the coordination, and he has the arm. Right. Uh, the thing is, you know, last year at the end, uh, and and you know, not too many people know about it, but he did have a sore arm, and he actually had to go to uh, Lakeland rehab uh, uh, part of the winter um, uh, because of that. Uh, but he he's fine now. But the thing is, he has uh, all the tools to be a shortstop. He just needs to make sure that he stays with. The, the basic fundamentals that that got that that you know that that he showed when he was going good he just got he's got to keep that going in a consistent manner uh, and that takes discipline because as you and I know shortstop is, is you know other than maybe catching probably the most demanding position on the field and so because of it you got to be real you know unless you're a super you know star natural athlete, um, you, you really got to be disciplined and, you know, uh, uh, in, in your mechanics um, and, and, uh, and, and how you approach every pitch. And he's got the potential to do it, and we think he, he, he can. So he's going to have a, a chance. However, we also know he can play second um, and he can play third. And to your point, if he needed to play the outfield, I think he's, um, he runs well enough uh, that he can. But Right now, uh, his future is in the infield, whether it be at second or short. Right now, he's going to have the opportunity to, to prove uh, that he can play short. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time and talking to us today. I'm sure the fans do as well. And, uh, you know, it's just a joy in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of winter, to just talk some baseball. Thank you, Well, Al. I'm making my plans to get to Lakeland on the 15th. All I, right. Uh, if all things go well, <laughs> open, uh, first day is the 17th. And... Um, and uh, first full workout is on the 22nd, and the first game is on the 26th. That's yeah. all I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it so much. Uh, good luck to you, Al, and Happy New Year. Thanks, Al. Happy New Year. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care. That was uh, Tigers general manager, Al Avila. Uh, coming up next, uh, we'll talk more Tigers on Tiger Talk on 97 won The Ticket.
You know, Dan, I was just thinking there today, you know, Lindor was traded, and we talk about these trade deadline deals that come up that the Tigers have been involved in. Willie Castro may have been a big find for the Tigers because, you know, the Leonis Martin deal, and also Paredes and, uh, you know, getting back uh, Candelero in the uh, Cubs deal. And yet the Astros deal, you know, Daz Cameron's been injured here uh, recently, and uh, they've had other injury situations with Perez, and I don't know what Jake Rogers, how that's going to all pan out. But it's strange how those deals ultimately tend to work out. They're very unpredictable. It's the beauty of baseball in a way. Yeah, and it takes years to figure it out. I mean, you mentioned Carlos Carrasco, part of that Lindor deal. Yeah. Took, what, three, four, five years before the Indians really saw the guy they thought they had traded right, for. Right, For a variety of reasons. So. Yeah, sometimes it takes a few years to evaluate. I wouldn't give up on any one of those guys, Daz Cameron, Jake Rogers, and Franklin Perez. Uh, but these will be, I think, very big years for Daz Cameron especially and for Jake Rogers. I think for Franklin Perez it's more of a just get through the year healthy, but don't give up on that kid. But he's got to show that he can stay healthy before you can really say that he's he's still on that you know top prospect list. Sure, he's there because of the potential, but it's been two years. So... So, yeah, it, it can take a while. It can absolutely take a while. Hey, we I thought that was an, some interesting things coming out of that conversation <laughs> with Al Avila, wasn't it? Yeah, I for mean, sure. I you mean, got, you got where Torkelson and Green are going to be placed, which I thought was really interesting. That basically, right now, they're looking at double A for Green for Riley Green. Isn't that something? When he, uh, he yes was at no. West Michigan yeah. low A ball, that's where he topped out in his only year professional ball. Pretty impressive that they're looking right now, as he said, don't hold me to it, but they're looking at double-A Erie and Torkelson at now high-A. I mean, this is going to take some getting used to. High-A West Michigan. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and you know, it's probably going to be a month behind, so it's, a, it's an unusual And we won't see them in spring training, which is a bummer. Yeah, well, especially I uh, think that seeing them in the games, well, seeing Green last year. That was year. a highlight of spring training. Yeah, in some a lot of ways for sure. And when you're sitting back and you're looking at the the bigger picture of it, but you know what? With Riley Green, and he only hit two nineteen at West Michigan. I, I point that out to folks. Don't you know have you know right. unrealistic expectations of it? Now, if he had played there longer, he was only 130 some at bats. I think he was gassed by the time. Yeah, he went to West I mean Michigan. it was just a kind of a different situation. And obviously his athleticism. He's he can play center field. I, you know, I I have to admit when they drafted him, and just everything that I I knew, I was like, well, why are you drafting a corner outfielder type of guy? Who, you know, this type of thing. But a lot of the reports on him, and uh, that I and people that I talked to, he's way more athletic than what yeah. he was projected. I don't know. Sometimes at that age, you know, they pick up some athleticism and do stuff. And I, I've got to tell you, Dan, and you know this from those games you did. He's got a good eye at the plate. He oh. wasn't overwhelmed at all. I mean, he, never even when they even if he you know made an easy out or struck out, he never looked like he was overmatched at the plate. Never. He and, and that's that's really saying something. So, I can't wait to see. I mean, if he starts a double A, you never know. That's not too far away. The good ones come quick. Just remember that. <laughs> yeah, we only had Al for a certain amount of time. There, I, I literally had a thousand questions to ask. What was him. the other thing that you thought was interesting coming out of that conversation? Uh, well, just uh, talking about the time frame for the pitchers. Yeah, it sounds to me like they might want to take a step back before they put uh, Mize and Scooble, even uh, who had a little more success than Mize, forward. And I think I think they want Fetter to work with him and their other pitching coaches uh, to see uh, how that's all going to work. I think they. 
I think because their innings are limited, I think they both start in the major leagues unless they just do not pitch well in the spring. Mm-hmm. In other words, why waste, if you're on innings limit, why waste them at AAA? Yeah. Um, that's just kind of my gut feeling. But I thought it was interesting because I, I've been trying to figure out how do you, what, what are the limits? What do you go back to? And it sounds like they have settled on what seems pretty reasonable. That if you're a veteran major league pitcher, whatever your you know, peak was pre-2020, that that's kind of the goal for you to get back to. And I know I'm pretty sure I'm safe in saying Matt Boyd wants that. He wants to be able to go back right, to right. 180 innings of work uh, and, and shoulder a full workload. He doesn't want to be, be babied. Obviously, they're going to watch it very closely. And that's, again, this is where the, the technology and the ability to analyze and also just track. Our, our trainers are so good. I mean, they have a <laughs> – I'm telling you, these guys – you, you look at the history of Tigers keeping their pitchers healthy. The Tigers are one of the best organizations, whether you go back five years, 10 years, or 20 years. They've got a plan, but they'll, as Al said, they'll just be watching these guys very well, carefully, you know, you know, individual you have, basis. You know, you mentioned the ice Turnbull, you know, and the, you know, he had a breakout year last year. I mean, he was able to match, you know, some things. So that's going to be interesting to see how uh, that works out. And you know what? Uh, and I don't know Chris Fetter. I, I haven't talked to him. I've just only heard it on his zoom call and all that. So, but I've heard so many good things about him from people in the game who know what they're talking about. That's why I, I praised uh, the hiring of him as pitching coach. And I think the communication, it's not against Rick Anderson. I, you know, I, I admire his place in the game, you know, or Guardy, you know, and the job that they did under difficult circumstances. But this is somebody who's going to be able to relate a lot to what Mize, Scooble, uh, Boyd, even in, in that regard, big on the whole thing with drive time, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Manning, these different pitchers, what they've been exposed to, what they do in the offseason, how they get ready. Uh, I think that th- that hiring is uh, something to be, to be excited about. It very much so. I love Rick Anderson. We're going to miss him. That's right. And uh, But, yeah, I mean – to make a change that is it's dramatic and it's it's going to be fascinating to watch the teaching that goes on. I love what he said about, you know, the idea that, you know, Chris has already got some ideas what to do with Urania. I'm not going to talk about it right now, um, but you know, the, clearly he's going to he's got some ideas for how to make him a more effective pitcher, and that that's that's what this whole last few years have been about in this organization, right? All that development in the infrastructure, in terms of all the things you can do to help players become better when they reach your organization or come up through your organization, that's where the next advantage lies. And I think that's, uh, that's what we're going to see with this coaching staff and the people who are in the player development system. We didn't really get a chance to see that last year to the extent that, you know, everybody was hoping, but I think we're really going to see some of the fruits of all that investment and in labor, uh, all the good coaching, all the good people who can use that technology to make these guys better. And I think this coaching staff will do it as well as the guys who are, and women who are throughout the organization. Yeah, they've, uh, they've upgraded those things, and I think it's uh, something that uh, ultimately is going to pay off a great deal for them. Uh, considering the ball player that signed now, all right, that uh, has gone through this, this is what they are into. This is what has developed right. them. And I, I get kind of ticked off when people start saying, well, the game's not what it meant. Look, man, it's it's better than it's ever been in terms of the quality of play. Pitchers are throwing harder. They hit the ball further. 
their athletic uh, ability with plays are, you know, sometimes just breathtaking and unbelievable. Not that it hasn't been like that in the past, but not to this degree, partly right. because, you know, of the Rapsetto and uh, Edgertronic uh, technology. And it's not just having that and the numbers and things involving biomechanics and all that. It's also about a, how, knowing how to apply it. Exactly. You know, and uh, I think the organization has kind of struggled with, you know, because they were a little, they were a lot behind actually uh, to how to catch up and now maybe pass people that way. And I think they kind of, you know, moved on through a certain point and have gotten to where you're going to start to see this applied. And, you know, uh, not only on game day, uh, which they've done pretty effectively, actually, Uh, last year their matchups were pretty good. Um, but also, you know, and the development and assuming minor league baseball is going to come up here and we can get back to normal right. in our society. So, yeah, at least we're hearing that, you know, if, if the, the season has been delayed for a ball and double A, at least we're hearing there will be a season, which is just obviously there has to be. Those guys lost a lot of valuable playing time last year. Yeah. So in the draft last year, you know, short, but looked like the pretty promising draft for the Tigers and it looked I, there's a lot of things that they're doing that uh, for the future uh, I could see where it would really pay off. And they started to dot the I's and cross the T's, you know, after, you know, the, the time where you hit the rock bottom and, uh, you know, start to go up a little bit here. And hopefully for the Tiger fans, it's it's quickly. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Isak Paredes much at all uh, tonight. But, I mean, we rarely talk about Winter League stats. That was an exciting winter that – Isak Paredes had batting champion in Mexican leagues, hit 379, and got better as the season went on. That's the kind of thing that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, he, he definitely has an upside. You know, he as a hitter, he hits the ball pretty well. But appreciate the show, Dan. So great to be in no, here talking, fun talking baseball. baseball in January yeah. with you, Pat. Yeah, and appreciate Al answering all those questions. Matt, gosh, we had a thousand of them for him, as <laughs> you all did. And hopefully we asked the questions that uh, – you wanted to hear about and we'll do it again next week all right pat talk to you next week tiger talk coming up next pistons weekly it's 97 won the ticket